From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, you know, one of the things that, that we've talked about a lot on this show is, is DevOps. We've talked about the technologies around DevOps. We've talked about kind of cultural changes around DevOps. And the more and more I, I get a chance to get out and, and talk to people who are trying to implement this, talk to companies uh, that are in the middle of sort of, you know, either the technology or cultural transformations, they always come back and they say, you know, it's, it's always harder than I thought it was going to be. Or, um, you know, the, the amount of moving pieces necessary to sort of make this work, um, you know, don't always line up with maybe what I heard at a, at a meetup or, you know, an Adrian Cockroft talked or something like that. And so I thought what would be interesting to do today is, is go talk to some folks who, you know, are living and breathing this, um, trying to make this a reality, um, but are also, you know, kind of focused on some of the stuff that people mention is the hard things, things like governance and security and, you know, some of the stuff that's, that's not the, you know, just let developers go as fast as they want. So excited to have on the show today. Josh Stella, who is CEO of Fugue. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks much, Brian. Uh, uh, really happy to be here. I've been a fan for a number of years. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, let's before we before we jump into Fugue and, and some of those um, sort of big nasty topics, give us a little bit of your background because you've uh, you've you've been in this space for a while, both as a, as an executive as well as a as a technologist and so forth. Yeah, you bet. So prior to founding Fugue, I was a principal solutions architect at AWS, Okay, largely focused on uh, Department of Defense, uh, as well as some other government agencies, NASA. But um, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a geek going back a, a long, long way. So I started programming like many of us did uh, early in my life and um, became a professional programmer in the early 90s, uh, working on, uh, of all things, uh, next step systems. Uh, uh, did a lot of systems architecture, worked on various projects, some of the early websites and so on uh, back in the mid-90s. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so most recently worked at AWS. Prior to that, I spent a number of years as a lead architect um, uh, at the U.S. Coast Guard, of all places, uh, uh, when my son was young and I wanted a nine-to-five job. And uh, so uh, I'm very much a CTO-leaning CEO. Uh, I, my hands are uh, d- deep in the technology of, of, of Fugue, and uh, a lot of the ideas um, uh, occurred to me while I was um, working on national security kinds of problems, although they're applicable across the board. Right, so, right. Does that help? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and Fugue's, Fugue's been around for, for quite a while. I think you guys have been around since uh, 12, 2012, 2013, and, um, you know, it, well-funded and, uh, you know, been, been in this space for, for quite a while. Yeah, we, we, so we, we really got going in early 14. Uh, we got the company funded and a, a few of us in a room in 13, um, but uh, really got cranking in 14. Uh, worked with a bunch of design partners on a, a few iterations of the technology. As you said in your introduction, these are really, really hard problems. And so it took us a few uh, uh, um, uh, different uh, iterations to really get it uh, to get it right. And we launched our commercial product in uh, 2017, uh, and uh, are uh, really uh, getting uh, some good traction coming out of 17 and into 18. So it's exciting times over here. Nice, very good, very good. Well, listen, like I like I mentioned in the in the intro, um, you know, DevOps is 
it's a hard thing. I mean, culturally, um, you know, it's, it's asking people to change what they've done uh, oftentimes for maybe not just years, but, but decades. Um, and, and so we, we have this, this kind of constant thing of we should, we should get the flow of software moving faster. Uh, we've got, you know, the, the cloud is out there. Things like AWS are out there. The public clouds out there that in theory should make things simpler. It's sort of on demand. I don't always have to think about the, the complexities under the covers. Um, and people still are, are still trying to figure out how to make it work as you're sort of, uh, you know, interacting with companies that are saying, Hey, we, we'd like to do DevOps, or maybe they, they, you know, phrase it as we want to be more agile. <clears throat> we want to develop software faster or just, we think we want to use the cloud. What, what do you find are some of the early kind of best first steps that, that you can guide people with that, that say, look, um, th- these, will, these will pay the biggest dividend. These will kind of move you in the, in the right direction, um, you know, sort of to, to get them over the hump of this complexity. Yeah, so um, I love AWS. I love cloud. Uh, I, I work there. I'm a huge proponent and believer in it. The notion that API-driven infrastructure is going to be simpler, I think, is is wrong. It's more powerful. It's more agile. But it actually, if used well, um, creates more moving parts. And when we talk about uh, things like microservice architectures, which, you know, are great and appropriate in some places, when you talk about, uh, uh, you know, going from uh, compute instances to containers and serverless and, and then realize you're going to do all of these things within a single application boundary, uh, as well as traditional infrastructure like networks. Uh, these APIs, in other words, giveth and taketh away. They, 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 they give you this ability to go really fast, which is awesome. Uh, they give you the ability to um, have things that are uh, quite ephemeral, that are short-lived, which is smart if you want to contain costs. But that creates a very... Uh, 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 you know, the, the constant change of the infrastructure environment is what we're talking about here with more components. And so I, I would say uh, I think that it's important to differentiate in terms of, of getting started and learning and then being successful in the long run, that there are really two different stages uh, of, of using cloud. The first is learning about it, which is pretty easy to do. Right. And just go to a console, do whatever you want, learn about it figure out how it applies to your organization. But when you are ready to actually adopt it strategically, you need some ordering framework around that. You need some ability to say, okay, how are we going to um, wrap our heads around this as an organization so that our developers can go really fast and be innovative and uh, make new things, but we're, one, uh, not going to... spend tons of money we didn't think we were going to and to not end up on the front page of the newspaper because of some breach. Um, Those are very real. And so you you have to actually consider that uh, as you go there. And of course, that's what Fugue's all about. Uh, I don't want to jump straight into what Fugue does, but um, that's why we're here is you have to do that. And you brought up uh, Adrian Cockcroft. Not everyone's Netflix. Right. Um, (laughs) And it's a really hard class of problems. So I think that the first thing is when you're, you're getting your feet wet, just go crazy. Try stuff, you know, not with production data. But uh, once you understand kind of what you want to do, uh, try to figure out um, uh, those organizing principles and tooling around it. Uh, the other thing I would say is 
in most organizations that are adopting cloud strategically, that there's this kind of uh, incremental approach to hand-rolling code in-house to try to get your hands around these problems. Because at first, they look easy right, and kind of fun. Uh, it turns out they're really hard, and they're really not much fun <laughs> in the long run. So... Uh, you know, try to find in your if if in your organization there is a team saying they are building a cloud management governance framework, um, look at it closely because that's a marriage, not a not a date. You're going to be living with that code for a long time. Right, right, yeah. And there's for as many stories as there are about successes in that space where it's sort of do it yourself, uh, you know, solve a problem that didn't seem that complicated at first. There are just a ton of, uh, you know, we, we reached a point where we didn't want to maintain it anymore. That person that was key left the company and, and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, Hey, listen, one of the things that, that you talk about quite a bit, um, and, and there's tons of examples out on the web and we'll put some stuff in the show notes is this, this concept, kind of an emerging concept that people are referring to sort of, uh, they're calling it DevSecOps or SecDevOps or OpDevs, you know, kind of essentially saying, yep. um, you know what, uh, you know, we feel like as we were as we were getting the dev team together and the ops team together, security kind of got left out. And you know what, we, we sort of did that before, too. And, you know, we want to remedy that. Um, what does that mean? I mean, as I've heard different approaches to this. It means, you know, include, uh, you know, embed the security team into the dev team, embed the security team in the, in the security team. I've heard, you know, use certain tools. What, what are you seeing in this, in this DevSecOps kind of, I don't know, evolution, if you will? Sure. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with a broad comment and, I'll, I'll, and then I'll get specific and come back to the broad comment. We're going to get tired of appending things to dev. Yeah. And the reason is software is eating the world. And with API-driven infrastructure, uh, pretty much all functions having to do with compute infrastructure will ultimately be development functions. So we're going to keep adding that onto that list. Security is kind of the next obvious one, but it's going to keep going. So what does that mean practically? It means um, often what we see success when people do... So the, the way Fugue approaches this is we think all policy must be expressed as code. Uh, that when when you think about a fast moving ephemeral infrastructure, um, humans cannot approve things fast enough for them to uh, be be utilized. Right? If you're spinning up a bunch of EC2 instances or containers or whatever to uh, to handle some ephemeral job, and you need that to happen very quickly and automatically, it can't be a two week process to get um, certified and accredited. Uh, or, or a two-month process to get certified and accredited. It has to be automated. Uh, the nature of cloud is that you have to automate these functions. And so our solution, the only one I've been able to come up with, is that, that you have to be able to express policy um, as code. In our case, you've got you've to get it through a compiler with a static type system and make sure it's right. And then the enforcement of that policy after the fact needs to be automated as well. So you can do that by, uh, you know, we see people out there doing things like writing a bunch of Lambda functions to look for certain conditions to autocorrect back. It's, you know, we think that's kind of painful. You know, our approach, we, we believe, is better. Um, but I think that the main thing is security needs development chops now in order to write that code and vend that code. Mm -hmm. I've seen this work well in two models. 
one where um, developers get embedded in security, right? You, you, you don't really want security to kind of have, uh, you do want to keep the concerns separated because security has a different role and responsibility. So um, our approach to that is the security team can vend code libraries that uh, are enforced. And so your developers can go try to do whatever you know, crazy stuff they want to do and be innovative. I'm a developer. I like trying crazy stuff. And because security can now vend policy as code, if I try to do something that's not allowed, I get in my code editor or IDE a message saying, hey, you're not allowed to do that. Here's why. Here's the line of code. And so instead of being prescriptive from the security side, I can just create, you know, the, these are the policies that need to be in place. Somebody has to do that. Yeah. So I am now seeing also security teams being built of developers, from the beginning, I was just talking to a CISO who said, uh, when I built out this new security team, I, I hired DevOps engineers. Um, I think both models work. Yeah. Well, and it, it I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, my, my, my co-host who's not here today, um, Aaron recently changed jobs and, and he said, you know, it was interesting. I, you know, I, I turned in my badge and he said within, I mean, literally minutes, uh, the HR department had automated certain things so that, you know, payroll was going to happen and access to, you know, certain funds that maybe were outside the company, like all of that kind of got shut off. Right. So we, we, we've done these things before where we say like, look, an action happens, a bunch of automated stuff happens kind of automatically. We can put that in. And, um, but it's, it's strange that we, we've never kind of made that uh, part and parcel of what we do every day for security. And yet we see these breaches happen. Uh, we see, you know, huge DDoS attack at GitHub last week. We see these things that you sort of realize, you know, exactly like you said, um, you can't, you kind of can't afford to wait for somebody to, to make a decision to sign off on an approval. Like certain things just have to happen because hackers aren't going to wait until they're not going to do it during nine to five. They may do it off hours. Things happen faster than you think. Somebody's on vacation. Like it has to become, part and parcel of, of, you know, just saying, look, scenarios are going to happen and they just have to be embedded into, into the things we do. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that security for many years has been, um, kind of living with stuff they've inherited, right? You know, sure. the internet was not originally designed to be a secure platform, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera. We now have an opportunity with cloud to, to get security by design and upfront. Yep. Yeah. And, and, that's, and, yeah. That, and that's the thing that sort of jumped out at me as I was as I was looking at Fugue is, is you know, we've always had, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, governance and compliance were they were they were kind of functions that had to happen. Uh, they would happen periodically. And, and now with some of the technology that's out there, um, you know, we can essentially like you were talking about, we can sort of build these persistent, uh, constantly evolving kind of guards and, and railings around what we do so that you, you kind of never can get a outside of outside of compliance, but also, you know, security is sort of, uh, built around the structure that you're, that you're creating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think of it as kind of, uh, uh let's turn security into highway builders instead of toll booth collectors. Right. Right. In the, in the past, they were a hurdle you had to kind of get through. Instead, let's, let's make them vendors of goodness, right? Uh, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about being a developer is you can make things that have, have value and that, that move things faster instead of slowing them down. And so I think when you, when, you, when you can formalize what you mean by security in terms of design, and, and by that I mean 
express it in code. All the stuff we've learned to do for decades around development suddenly get applied to security. And that's really cool. And uh, we're, we're, so this is the cloud is this huge opportunity to get uh, a phase transition in how we do this stuff. Um, and I think it's really, I think it's really exciting. Uh, I don't think that the security people like saying no all the time right. or being perceived as the roadblock. I think, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to have more fun, um, vending things than saying no. Right. Yeah. And I, and we hear this, we, we've got some good friends that work, uh, CISO jobs at, you know, fairly large organizations. And they said, you know, one of the, the biggest challenges they have is that really good security people, really experienced security people are kind of leaving that segment of the profession because they feel like they're they're kind of always scapegoated and and like you said you know in a lot of cases they're they're kind of you know you you walk in day one and it's like okay here's this giant mess that you have to deal with um now now go be you know now go be successful and you're like okay uh that's a hard it's a hard pile to climb out from under sometimes um when when your your real purpose is like you said to be helping people be successful right you don't want to be the, the department of no if you will yeah, ex- exactly. And, and I think that, you know, the reason I started thinking about the technologies that are now in Fugue was I, I realized many years ago, you know, gosh, seven years ago or something, that because everything is API driven, you could apply computer science to it. Mm-hmm. And that that's never been true right before infrastructure, the, 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 the compute machinery was mostly manual and spreadsheets, and then you ran software on it. Well, now the application itself is kind of summoning its own infrastructure in in the case of truly cloud-native patterns, uh, whether it's through autoscaling groups or containers, you know, whatever. The application is bigger than the infra. It used to be you packed the applications into the infra on your data floor. And, and so that means we now have... Um, you know, I, I remember the first time I got a, a program to run successfully, uh, and I think most people who've written code feel this way, there's great satisfaction and joy in that. Well, if we can do that with security, too, where you can write code right now, for example, we're writing um, uh, the whole uh, NIST 800-53 uh, control set as compilable, executable code. Um, that may sound weird. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, this 800-53 isn't fun, but it's fun to get it to work right. in an automated way. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and quite honestly, um, you know, let, let, you know, just, just take the government sector, you know, for that. Um, the, the, the prospect of saying, Hey, this gigantic document, this, uh, you know, this new law, this new certification came out, it's a thousand pages or whatever the heck it means. I mean, the last thing you want to be doing as a as a CIO, as a CISO, or whatever, is saying I'm spending valuable resources on people having to read through, decode, you know, figure out what all this means. I would just like it to be, you know, something that you say, hey, it's in it's in code and it can be validated, um, you know, like like anything else, uh, you know, like a firewall rule or something like that. Um, it's it's it, it's early, but it's good that those types of that type of thinking is evolving like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. And I would say that, you know, when I've lived on both sides of that table, I've sat on both sides of that table where I'm, I'm signing off on things to say these are approved to go live, and where I was writing code. And when I'm writing code, when I look at those binders of rules, I think to myself, I'm not going to read that. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I might, I might scan it, but honestly, I, I, it, it's too much to, you know, and, and, and I don't even, it, they're, they're not expressed in ways that are uh, definitive enough for me to even know if I'm going to get it right. Right. So I'll just wait for someone to tell me. So it's this very different experience, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with Fugue, the way we built it is if you break a policy, you actually get a compiler error pointing to a line of code, and you can customize the error message however you want to say, like, well, you've broken the security rule. All disks must be encrypted. Fix that, or we won't, or Fugue won't build this thing for you. That's a very developer-friendly approach where instead of having to memorize a bunch of rules, you're exploring and you're going fast and, and you bump into it. So th- that stuff is achievable now and it just, it just wasn't before. So I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good time to be in this business. Right. It's good, good progress. You know, two yeah. of the, two of the things that jumped out at me as I was, as I was kind of digging into your technology, um, looking at things like uh, Fugue Composer and, and some other stuff, uh, you know, two of the things that I hear from people all the time is number one, um, you know, we're, we're not always sure what we have out there and, and out there could, could be their own data center. It could be, uh, you know, they've, they've acquired a company and they've, they've got to figure out what they have, or, you know, people have been putting stuff in the cloud for a while and we're now kind of getting our act together and trying to, I don't know, standardize it or just, um, you, you do, uh, you, you do a basic task of going like, let's inventory what's out there. Let's figure out what you have and not just make a spreadsheet, but this, let's put this into something that can then sort of be actionable. And then, you know, the next thing you do, and, and we hear this problem with people talking about microservices, but it kind of applies to everything is you visualize it. And it, it yeah. you know, like it's, it's, you know, there's the, there's the old saying of like, you can't measure what you can't, you know, you can't uh, manage what you can't measure. But, but, you know, when you have distributed things and distributed things could just simply be, uh, I've got some stuff in U.S. East and some stuff in U.S. West, and they don't, both don't show up on the same console because of the way AWS does things. Like that, you're as blind with that as you are like not measuring something. And so, the fact that you you kind of tackled those two tasks early on gives me a sense that that you understand kind of the scope of of the problems people are going to have. It's not just a a single point kind of solving something for somebody. Well, well, thank you. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, we're certainly trying to solve for that. So, so the composer is a client side tool, and it automatically visualizes um, uh, infrastructure, uh, AWS infrastructure, right now. Um, and you can point it at your existing AWS infrastructure. Uh, so, one of the things that 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 I liked to do when I was at AWS, and I saw my customers liking to do, and I think people still like to do is go build stuff in the console while you're learning uh, rather than trying to write code for everything up front. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just, uh, you know, it's easier um, to, to get started. So what we, and, and you may have a bunch of artifacts that were built using lots of different technologies over time. Maybe right. a bunch of stuff got built with a console and then somebody started writing some Bodo and then somebody used some CloudFormation and somebody used some Terraform. So we didn't want to uh, say, well, you have to do everything our way. Instead, you can just point Fugue at what you've got, and we'll discover it. And um, when I was at AWS, one of the first things I always did, and then had to repeat over and over, was make a Visio diagram. Right. Uh, and they were always wrong. <laughs> as soon as as soon as they <laughs> right. hit air, right, right, they were wrong. And so what we what we did there, because we have um, this uh, behind the scenes, we have a, a strong static type system. We can automatically generate these, these uh, we think of it as kind of Google Maps for the cloud, uh, these diagrams of what you have. Um, 
and 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 then of course you you have to the next step is well does this stuff conform to my policy so we we baked in a feature where you can you can kind of do this discovery process get this nice uh, uh beautiful diagram and then import you know policy.lw you know import the policy library and it will tell you everywhere you're not currently in policy uh and then you can bring the whole thing under feud management so that's our approach i know there are other approaches out there that's how that's how we've thought about it i think um um you know you you hit on uh, another point i'm trying to circle back to it um right so uh, yeah most people have lots of aws accounts most organizations do so right. we're we're definitely designed to work in those kinds of environments where a single fugue a virtual appliance called a conductor can manage dozens of aws accounts and it doesn't just do the provisioning that that's actually the easy part building stuff is easy living with it's hard right so the, our approach to that is um you know once it's been provisioned it can't be provisioned if it breaks rules and then once it's been provisioned every 30 seconds or so we're re-examining it which is kind of like a live configuration management database we always know the state of everything yeah and uh, if anything changes, we actually fix it. Gotcha. Yeah. So let me let me ask you sort of one last question as, as we wrap up. And we, we've covered a lot of topics, uh, folks. We'll, we'll put a lot of things in the show notes so you can kind of go dig into this. Um, you know, what's the what's the most kind of common advice you're giving to people in this space? Whether it's around, you know, uh, you know, sort of security for around you know DevOps or it's around compliance. I mean, what's the what's the most common thing that that people are saying? Um, you know, is it, is it super high level? What do I do? Is it, how do I solve a certain problem? What do you, what do you see in most frequently from people making these transitions? What I'm seeing most frequently is that, um, the security. So, so usually there's a DevOps team who has taken an approach to some kind of partial automation mm -hmm. and they've run out ahead of the security team. Okay. And the security team are trying to get their hands around what's happening. Um, and and the, the 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 business leader, right, the person who's got the P and L responsibility, is saying, "Go fast, go to the cloud," and it's really tough for security to wrap their hands around it. So a lot of our job is to try to kind of uh, when we interact with our customers, is to try to bring both those teams to the table and say, "You guys are on the same side here, and you need to get in sync because if you're out of sync, uh, you're going to get in trouble." Yeah. And I think we we see that in the newspapers. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes it makes sense, and and uh, you know, it kind of. It kind of aligns to to some of the challenges here, but it's. It, I like I like that you sort of phrase it as like you're on the same team because a lot of times the the dev ops conversation comes across as well. Devs are incented to go fast. Ops are incented to be you know secure and highly available and stable. How do you, you know, resolve that? That what feels like a conflict. Um, I, I think the way you present it is you know security is is part of the you know not only hopefully you can go fast, but it's also it's got to be available. It's got to be uh, it's got to be secure. So it's you, you are part of that team. You're not uh, kind of the outsider. Yeah, ex exactly. And, and that, that does require culture change. And, yep. and that's probably the tall pole in the tent, right? Right, right. Um, the technologies are, are evolving and, you know, uh, you know, Fugue is available and I'm sure there are other approaches too. But, um, you know, yeah, getting, getting those teams to, uh, to, to, to see the possibility, to see the potential and how they could work together now that in the past that, that just wasn't technically feasible. Yeah. Um, is a culture change. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, before we wrap it up, uh, what's the best way if somebody, you know, wants to, you know, reach out, learn more about Fugue, try out the, the technology, or maybe see you guys at an event uh, around town somewhere? What's the, the best place to engage with you? 
Yeah, great. Uh, uh, you can go to our website, which is fugue, spelled F-U-G-U-E dot C-O dot co. Um, we do a lot of events. I don't have an event calendar in front of me at the moment, but we always do reinvent. I think we're doing the, the AWS uh, uh, New York Summit, certainly in the, in, in the summer. Um, but we probably have some some more uh, 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 current events in, in the next few months that I, I just don't have in front of me. Sure. But uh, go to uh, fugue.co. And if you want, I'm Josh at fugue.co. So you can reach out to me, too. Okay, very cool. And we'll get that in the show notes and Twitter handles and all those other things. Well, listen, Josh, thank you for the time today. Uh, it, it's like we said, it's always kind of good to to dig into these topics, go find some people that, um, you know, not only have, have lived this, so so know where it's coming from, know the pain points, but are, but are building technology that makes it sort of that next step forward. So you don't have to think about, you know, is it compliant? Can I build this into my pipelines? And uh, very cool stuff that you guys are doing at Fugue. So with that, we're going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, for Josh and for myself, uh, thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.